Welcome to TR Talks, where your host, Team Rajpal, talks everything Toronto and GTA real estate, from buying, selling, leasing, investing, and rental management. An unfiltered conversation with industry experts helping you stay up to date with the market. Hey, Xerxes. Hi, Gita. Okay, how's it going? It's going well. Great. You know, I thought of this idea for today's podcast because obviously, as you know, a lot of people have been having these conversations to talk about the bank of mom and dad. Are you opening a new branch? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you know, we've got three kids, one of which owns their own property. Congratulations. Yes. Bank of mom and dad did help at the time. Things have also changed considerably since that time. Uh, when we talk about real estate, where things are at with prices, and, you know, just, I don't know, just how, I, I'm going to say the word frustrated, because that is what they feel, uh, which is, you know, younger adults and parents of adult kids that are like, oh my God, are my kids ever going to be able to afford to buy their own home? And, you know, before we get into, you know, the hows, um, how parents can actually help their kids, just to put things in perspective, I know that when we look at uh, countries like, I mean, and you lived, you lived in Bombay, right? Yeah. Or Mumbai. So cities like Tokyo, Mumbai, um, Hong Kong, where space is limited. And so the only way for those cities to grow is up. And, you know, you're, you're blessed if you have like, I don't know, 500 square feet of space. And sometimes there's like two or three people living in that space um, and skyrocketing prices. But the point that I'm making is uh, we have ample space in Canada. I mean, I, I think we don't have a dearth of space. So that frustration can come, um, you know, it, it's realistic in my opinion to have that level of frustration because 100%. the space is there, um, yet yet people are not able to afford housing. But I, I would add to that, I know you're trying to get a word in edgewise and I'm just hogging this introduction here, but I would like to add that A, the space is there, even if the speed goes up in terms of you know building and there's more supply, which is always the challenge, uh, it's the infrastructure, right? So where are we going to spread out if the infrastructure is not supporting that building? A hundred percent. I agree with you. Wholeheartedly agree with you. It's rare, but I do agree with you. I know. I'm surprised. You have nothing else to say? I actually have one thing to say. I think, uh, I think the frustration also builds from the point of, you know, society, parents, whatever it might be has told you you have to follow this path you got to go to school you got to go to high school you got to go to so post-secondary but then once you come out of post-secondary don't worry like you'll get a job instantly in the field that you spend four or five years studying and uh once you do that uh, getting a home won't be an issue it's it's because that's the natural next step progression mm-hmm so, um, guess what? They come out of post-secondary and realize that they're not getting a job in what they've studied when. And um, they're also not getting paid what they were supposed to in their minds, right? Like, you come out of university, 
you're not going, okay, well, I should be making just over minimum wage. Exactly. And not only that, they're, they're also not assuming that what they're going to be making is, um, you know, just marginally higher than what they could have been making 10, 15 years ago. And that's the thing. Like, I, I was talking to a client and uh, she was telling me the entry-level position when she joined her company, let's say, was about 38000 that same job today, now it's been, I think, 12, 13 years since she started. That same job today is paying pretty much the same amount. I think it's like thirty-seven or 38000 When the cost of living has gone up how much? Oh, my God. So, you know, you actually have to take a step back and understand, like, this is not a single faceted frustration. And, you know, this is, I don't think it's only limited to real estate. I think it's... I think real estate is the biggest ticket item, and that's why there's such a focus on it. For but sure. It's, it's everything. It's it's cars, gas, you know, the cost of living left, right, and center. And I think you look at that frustration from a younger generation, and you, you see and you hear about, you know, people taking time off work, taking a sabbatical, and saying, you know what, I'm going to go live an experience my life is not going to be made up of materialistic things. It's going to be made up of experiences. So I'm going to take a sabbatical. I'm going to go off. I'm going to travel. I'm going to live in a different country. And good for them. And and not only that, I mean, and of course, COVID brought about a lot of that shift in the thought process. I mean, let's question everything we're doing. Why? Why do we have to follow this certain progression? So there's that. But in in terms of uh, salaries not keeping pace with the increasing cost of living. It's not that, you know, in any other circumstance, people would be like, hey, wait a minute, I, I was paying 50 cents for gas 25 years ago. Yeah. Why am I paying, what is it now? I'm sorry, I have an electric car. How much is gas right now? It's, it's you know, you're, you're paying anywhere, depending on where in the city, like you're paying $1.70 to $1.90, even over $2 right. in so, certain cases. The, the point is that, you know, where there, there's obviously certain people who have, who are fortunate enough to have their parents backing. And that's, that's mostly what our topic is about today. It is. And um, it's about, um, it's about those parents that, you know, are looking at their kids who, uh, let's say, do have a reasonable job, a reasonable salary, yet they're still not able to enter into the housing market. And it's uh, typically made up of two two sections. Either some people who can't afford to bring up the down payment, but they can afford the monthly EMIs. Uh, and then that, have, that was my car daughter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the other side of things where it's, no, we have a whole bunch of money saved because this is what we were told to do since we were kids. And But, you know, the issue is that today's interest rates are killing us and we just we don't have the monthlies to support the, the purchase. But even though this is now a great opportunity from a purchase price standpoint, we can't afford the monthly uh, outgoings. So um, let's... so. What happens essentially, uh, and we see this every day, right? Like when we're dealing with buyers, even when we're dealing with sellers, we have to get a parent signature sometimes. Yeah. Um, you know, so we're we're seeing that, and um, but specifically for buyers in the marketplace, um, let's just talk about 
how parents, and, and this is geared towards, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and, you know, you're depending on your parents and forward this to them. Because this is where we have, through our experience, come up with ways in which parents can actually help their kids. And, you know, some of it is straightforward. Some of it is just common sense. And then some of it is some people don't know that they can actually, you know, you can use a gift towards a down payment and it's tax-free money, for example. And that, that would be, so how to help your adult kids or how can your parents help you? One is... Gift funds. So yeah. exactly what you said, providing a financial gift and it can be tax free. That that's one of the most common ways we see it happen, uh, for sure. And, uh, and also, just for parents, because obviously I'm I'm older than you, not that much, but I'm mm. older than you. Do have adult kids, and sometimes it's also, and of course, I have parents of my own. This thought process as well. Well, I'm not, I'm going to keep what I'm going to be giving to my kids. I'm going to keep it and they can get it after we've died. I mean, considering, so for those people that do think that way, think about giving away your inheritance while you're alive. Why not? Why not see your kids benefit from what you have in your lifetime? 100%. Um, Cosigners. for those who don't know, your parents can be a cosigner on a mortgage. Uh, what basically happens is the bank or the lending institution looks at, you know, the file and says, okay, well, like for let's say a six hundred or seven hundred thousand dollar mortgage, this is the income needed in order to satisfy the loan. Well, what might happen is that you may be able, to, you may feel like you're able to afford it on a month-to-month basis, and you know there are things like the stress tests that come into play and things like that. But at the end of the day, the bank is the one giving you the money, or the lending institution is giving the money, and they're saying, okay, well, we need the ratios, which is the amount of money being borrowed against how much income is coming in and they they use a formula to come up with a ratio, and the ratios might might not be in line with with what the bank's uh, charter says or rules and regulations towards lending might say. So what ends up happening is that parents, you know, add cosign what in their income and their debt ratios come into play. So it just makes it a little bit more digestible, hopefully. Uh, yes. At the same time, they're now, I mean, if they're co-signing. That means they're also co-owning. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And um, which kind of, that's the perfect segue into the next one. Yeah, which is, um, you know, sometimes you don't want it where you're both on ownership or on title, but they could act as a guarantor. So um, a guarantor for the mortgage. So they'd be responsible for the mortgage if their children can't pay. And um, I guess it's it's less binding than being a co-signer. It is, but I mean, at the end of the day, you're putting your name down. And, and that is binding. So it's just something to be aware of. Um, you know, there's uh, there's also shared ownership uh, where, like, you are actually an owner and you have an interest in the property uh, as, as a parent. Um, there, there's, there's a lot of parents who do this. Um, I see this a lot with an older generation of parents from the point of view of, you know, one parent has, has deceased and... There's one parent remaining and their kid might be single and wants 
to move buy a home and move into it while mom mom or dad or whoever it might be with their kid buys a house mm-hmm. um so when you buy a house with a with a spouse typically you are buying it as uh, joint tenants which means that let's say i bought this with my wife and something were to happen to me well she automatically becomes the full owner 100% owner of the property um whereas the other way of setting it up is called tenants in common where it's if something were to happen to me well what ends up happening is my share is still my share in the sense of it goes into my estate and you know my the other partner on the property they're they're still a 50% owner or whatever yeah, yeah. that's made out to me so there's no assumption of the property in that case um and then you have family mortgages uh, do you want to explain that so they can provide a private mortgage loan which can have more flexible terms and conditions compared to traditional lenders so um basically basically it's a loan from mom and dad yeah. um to to the uh, to the person that's actually taking ownership of the property and yes i think it does probably alleviate a lot of that added stress having to um you know take on a mortgage and take on a loan where you're not in control of what you're paying and when you're paying it i mean of course you know this is something it depends on the family dynamic depends obviously on the family finances but if parents can with the help of a lawyer even uh you know set up something where kids can get a private loan from them uh it it takes away a lot of that added stress so one of the biggest advantages with the family mortgage and this doesn't always happen it depends on the way it's set up it depends on the parents it depends on the owners of the property but one of the plausible advantages is that let's say um my i have a family mortgage on my property mm-hmm. and i want to go and get another loan a line of credit i want to get a you know separate loan for a different property maybe um that doesn't always count into my ratios at that point right. because it's it's a family mortgage so uh depending on how it's set up it can actually be very beneficial from a financial vehicle standpoint so um we see this more with our high net worth clients uh, that this this does come up from time to time yeah um you know they don't want to see their kids pay 7 8 9% interest rates they've been there they've done that you know and if they can help their kids through it why not yeah with a flexible interest rate flexible payment terms um and and it can like i said it can always be set up formally yeah. um you know just no and and that's typically what happens because let's say there's two people who are coming together and one of the families is supporting the mortgage yeah. and typically you do want it on title yeah um so the the next one is really interesting which is sort of uh, just it's the rental home right yeah. um where the parents buy the property in their name and then they kind of let the kids rent it from them to the point where partial partial payment of that rent is going towards actually paying down the loan and then partially it's going towards building up a down payment and i i think that's a it's a great um option in, in my opinion because yeah. this way there's a level of control that the parents might have and um you know cuz they own the property and at any point so now there it's rented out and then there's a level of flexibility for the kids 
and for the parents. But it also avoids, look, even in the best family dynamic, can issues come up after the fact? Sure. And, you know, money and money-related issues can always come up. So I think this option of renting to own can probably alleviate some of those challenges that you would face with either co-signing or guarantors. So if parents have the possibility of actually buying something out right out, um, then this could be a great option. 100%. Uh, the next one, actually, we see a lot of, and we're seeing more and more of um, come up, uh, is parents uh, slapping a HELOC on their property. Mm-hmm. And um, the HELOC being? A home equity line of credit. So let's mm-hmm. say I bought my property at, say, $500,000 20 years ago, and I've paid down my mortgage, and you know I've got, let's say, $100,000 left in my mortgage, but now my property's worth, call it a million. Mm-hmm. You know, I have equity in the property. Like, there's $900,000 worth of equity, which I can use some of that and, you know, whether it's doing any of the above options, right? Whether it's creating a family mortgage, whether it's <laughs> gifting yeah, the money, gift, yeah. uh, whether it's, uh, you know, doing it as, as, a, as, like I said, a family mortgage or a loan, um, it, or putting money towards a down payment of a property. There, It just gives it a lot of flexibility. And, um, and, and, and for a nominal monthly cost because now for somebody that's paid off their mortgage yes you're you're taking that loan and and there will obviously be a a monthly fee but it's it's you know it's typically a a interest only payment yeah which so i mean so you're making a payment but it's so nominal so we've had a lot of clients who do that and then when their kids property goes up in value they return that equity to bank of mom and dad (laughs) (laughs) and then mom and dad pay off their loan but at least the kids are in the property and then they're on the ladder moving up so so huge so this is definitely a great uh thing to consider for those that have been in their homes 10 15 years or longer um which is the case with a lot of our clients i mean even if you are not necessarily um high net worth individuals but your property value has gone up considerably over the years then that is a great option 100% TR Talks is hosted by members of Team Rajpal with Remax Rajiv Rajpal and Xerxes Barucha are brokers Geeta Rajpal and Nicholas Ip are sales representatives all registered with the Toronto Regional Real Estate Board Real Estate Council of Ontario and Canadian Real Estate Association This podcast is for informational purposes only and not for financial or investment advice. Please do your own due diligence.